This morning we're going to read in Matthew chapter 2. Appropriately, we're going to read about the Magi, who, uh, although traditionally, you know, we have our wonderful, beautiful nativities, they're usually set right there beside the shepherds, but historically, they probably were not there at the same time as the shepherds. They came later, some believe that they came up to two years later after Jesus' birth. Uh, as we see later, we're going to read here in Matthew chapter 2, it talks about uh, this time of uh, Herod wanting to uh, do an infanticide and take out all the babies in the land, kill all the babies in the land, up to two years old. So that's where some people believe that maybe the Magi arrived even up to two years later. We don't know. We do know that these uh, people are very interesting people. Uh, there's a lot we can learn about them and clues that we can deduce about them. The Bible tells us that they came from the east. Uh, so that tells us that they probably came from the area of Babylon. And they probably came in a way that they knew something was happening in Jerusalem. And you're going to see the first thing they do is they go to Herod. And this is interesting because oftentimes uh, you might have wondered, why did these wise men go talk to Herod first? Well, the thing was, they were off in the east and they heard about this birth that was supposed to happen. And they supposed it to be a royal birth, meaning it was going to be in Herod's family. So they went to Herod to ask, where is this child that's being born? And they got rumors back that this was about Jesus, not Herod's family. And so that's kind of why they end up going through uh, Herod first. And there's a lot of things about them. How many wise men? We're not really sure. Uh, it could have been three. It could have been four. It could have been two. We don't know. We just know there was a group of wise men, or as they're also called, magi, who came and worshipped Jesus. And they came after Jesus' birth. And one of the unique things that you'll note about this story that we read is that uh, Luke tells us that Jesus was born in a manger. And then here in Matthew chapter 2, as we read, the Bible tells us that the Magi came and Mary was in a house. And so uh, some people believe that maybe this manger was like the barn outside of a house or uh, maybe not so much a stable as it was a field even. And this was the place and Mary finally was able to get a space after people left for the census for in, the, in, the, in the actual house where, near where she was, uh, give, had given birth. So... You know, those are all just kind of clues we try to pick up when we're reading the Bible to understand, but context is so helpful. So we're going to read Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. And when King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. Now, this is important to note right here, too. The Bible says that when Herod heard this, and uh, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And this is an important overturn or a different story, a theme that is about to happen throughout the Gospels is now God had been trying to reach his own people, but people who were not even of, of Jerusalem from the east had begun to come and serve the Lord and worship the Lord. And this is the beginnings of the turning of the Gospel that would go to all of the earth, even outside Jesus would preach, go to the Gentiles, go to all of the earth. And this is really the beginnings of that uncovering here. 
And so when King Herod heard this, he was frightened in all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him a scripture. They recalled a, a word from the prophet Micah. In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Now this is something important to really, uh, the, kind of a clue here as we understand about these wise men, is Herod is a king. And really Herod has really, it, just because somebody walks in and demands an audience with him, doesn't mean he has to lift, listen. But there was something about these wise men, and this, was, this is what leads us to believe they appeared to be royalty. They appeared to be people of great wealth and affluence from wherever they came in the east. So therefore, when Herod heard that they had come to worship, this is why he took seriously what they said, because they were coming as royalty. So then he sent to them, then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. And when they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. And then watch what they did here. Opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is just a beautiful account here. And I've often read this story and wondered, why did God orchestrate these people who were not even from Jerusalem, from the east, to come and worship Jesus? Why did God go through all of this effort to bring them in? And we don't really know what caused them to leave other than the fact that they saw a star. But just because they saw a star doesn't really seem like enough reason to leave. They came and to worship Him. So there was something that had happened in the east. There maybe was something was going on in their lives. We don't really know. But it compelled them that when they saw the star, they came and gave the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, you have to think about little lowly Joseph and Mary. Here they are. They don't even have a place to live. They're just kind of in this house here. And somebody brings them, not just somebody, but royalty shows up at their front door with, golds of, with, with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These were gifts they couldn't afford, obviously. These were gifts they couldn't put their hands on. They probably had never touched it in their life. Gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh had been brought into their home. Now, not only was this a, a scene that was like, wow, we are very poor, and now you've just bought us gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This was attention-grabbing. All of the people in the, the community, of course, when they saw these wise men show up at their door, royalty approaching the door of Mary and Joseph, and here they are bringing gifts of opening up treasure chests. Can you imagine that sight for a moment? These guys get off of their whatever they're riding on, horses, donkeys, whatever it might have been, and bring down a treasure chest and unload it at the house of Mary and Joseph. Surely this was a sway of maybe proclaiming to the community, something has happened here. This isn't just a baby that's been born. This is a special baby that's been born here. He's a king. 
And this is really why a lot of this happens here, is it goes to unfold and really begins to caught what we know captures Herod's attention, and they seem to have been waiting for this moment. So these wise men are an important part of the miracle of the birth of Jesus because it's royalty coming to royalty. It's gifts of royalty, gifts fit for a king coming to a king. And so this is why a lot of this happens here. And so just with that in mind, I want to ask you a question here today. When you think of the word best, what comes to mind? When you think of the word best, what comes to mind? In the English language, the English language is a tricky language. And if you've studied another language, you know that English is an unfair language to anybody else who's tried to learn it. It has so many irregularities and rules that just make absolutely no sense. But we don't say in English, we don't say good, gooder, and goodest. That's incorrect. We say good, better, and best. And for some reason, somebody thought that was a good idea to say that. And best is an adjective meaning that there is nothing that tops it. It is the ultimate adjective to describe something. When you go from good, that's better and best. There is nothing more. And, and even in this holiday season, some might say they received the best gift ever this year for Christmas. Others might say that their favorite sports team is the best. Of course, these matters are subjective, meaning they're based on opinion. Uh, however, best is not always a matter of opinion. Sometimes it can be objective, meaning it's a fact, saying that it's the highest possible state of excellence. It's the best quality or property of a person or thing. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. And this is really what the story of the Magi is they brought their best. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is giving my best. Giving my best. I've really had this thought in my mind for a couple weeks here as I've thought about the Magi and I've thought about their journey from far east and I've thought about the situation they go through with Herod. It was inconvenient. It was just not really a pleasant situation, but they brought their best. They didn't even know this Jesus. They just saw a star and called, called them to go and bring their best. And giving our best is something that is kind of becoming rare in the Christian life. Some of us, perhaps when I asked earlier, when you think of the word best, what comes to mind, our spiritual life, faith, living for Jesus did not come to mind. And our culture has derived this practice of leftover religion, uh, meaning that God gets the remainders of my time and efforts after I've taken care of all of my other priorities. Uh, and instead, we don't do like we do sometimes on Christmas. We don't serve God a home-cooked meal of a life. We bring Him the leftovers of our lives. And this is a dangerous way to live our spiritual lives. And this is why I really wanted to bring it up. And I felt so impressed to share it with you today. Is that God is asking for us to bring our best to Him. To bring our absolute best, all that we have to give, everything that we have to offer, bring our best. But the truth is that sometimes when we're in this Christian walk, we end up living on a fast food spiritual diet that comes from living off of social media and living off of one-liners from celebrity preachers. And it sure is wonderful in the moment. 
But you'll discover after a while that there's a health to your soul that is missing. There's something that is lacking on the inside. The type of health that only comes from seeking the Lord in prayer, reading the Bible, giving an ear to hear the word, and being gathered in a community of believers. And we've tried to come up with all of these substitutes for real spiritual health in our life. But listen, we can't live off of substitutes. We can't live off of all of this fast food. Listen, if I went to the doctor and I said to him, hey doctor, or actually if I went to my doctor and I told her this, I know what she would do. If I went to my doctor and I said, you know what, uh, I've been eating Chick-fil-A every day. Uh, just that's what I eat for the last month. And they take my blood work and they see, you know what she's going to tell me? She's going to say, first off, you're about to die. Uh, second off, you need to change your habits here. There are some things that you are doing here, and it is detrimenting your health. And it's causing, and spiritually speaking, this is just kind of me as a, a pastor pleading with you. There is things about our spiritual lives that we can't compromise. We can't live off of a fast food diet of spiritual life where we just kind of blitz in and out of the Bible, blitz in and out of church. We need spiritual growth that comes by being immersed in prayer, reading the Word of God, practicing the disciplines, being surrounded by a community of believers. Our souls need more than just a few things I see on social media, and that's my spiritual life. Listen, the very God of the universe is beckoning us to come and grow with him. And all God is asking for, listen, all God is asking for is our best. And when you give God your best, God honors that. When you go and you know, and God understands that you are stretched here and there and everywhere, but you're giving your best, God blesses that. God honors that. And so as we move into 2022, as we move into a new year, maybe this is just a way to help us reset our mindset. And I've just, this word has just been stuck in my mind for two weeks. Lord, I want to give my best. I don't want there to be a space in my life where I haven't given my best to you. I don't want to be there a part of my spiritual life that I've compromised and I've given up to Netflix or some other thing, priority in my life. I want to give you my best. My best, Lord. Everything I can possibly do, I want to give my best. And so I want to pull out some things here that we see in the Magi that caused them as they went out of their way to give Jesus their best. They went out of their way to show up after Jesus had been born to bring their best. And a few things we're going to see here. Here are some reasons, as we see from the Magi, why you and I might not give our best. The first thing you'll note here, the Bible says that they came from the east. They came from far away. This was not an easy journey. All they knew was that they were following a star. They had a long ways to go. Listen, this journey was inconvenient. It was inconvenient. It wasn't pleasant, perhaps. Traveling across different lands through different peoples and cultures. Here they've got gold, frankincense, and myrrh with them. They could have been robbed. They could have been hurt on their journey. But yet they followed the star to worship Jesus anyways. And some reasons why we might not give our best is because of the effort that is required. Worshiping the Lord and living for the Lord isn't just something you can just show up and do. It does require effort. 
Yes, we're saved by grace. We're not saved by works. But it does require some effort from our own part. It does require us to engage with the Lord, to be present with the Lord, to give ourselves to prayer, to give ourselves to fasting, to listening to the Word, to engaging in community with other believers. It requires effort. And these magi took effort. They, it was not convenient for them, but yet they did it anyway. And listen, I want to tell you something about living the spiritual life is that you will, under, you will discover quickly that when you get serious about living a spiritual life, there is nothing convenient about it. Everything in the world will tell you a reason to stop, why it's inconvenient. Everything in the world and possibly the enemy could whisper in your ear will be an excuse why it is inconvenient to serve the Lord with giving Him your best. Oh, of course the enemy will come and say, you don't have time for prayer. You've got other things to do in your life. This is more important. You've got to pay the bills. Don't worry about that. Do you need to focus on this thing? Don't pray. Don't talk to the Lord. Reading the Bible, you don't even understand it. What are you going to read it for? No, listen, all the things the enemy puts in our ears are excuses and reasons why we shouldn't give our best. Because the enemy knows that when you and I give our best, when we go and we lay it all down before the Lord, when we go out of our way to travel from the east to be and worship King Jesus, that God honors those who give their best. And that's what these magi did. And that's what God is calling of you and I, is it takes effort. You're not going to get better salvation because you go to church more often or you pray more often. But can I tell you something? If you put in a little effort, you will know the Lord better. You will grow in your faith better. You will encounter God in ways that you never thought possible. It requires just a little bit of effort from us. The second thing you'll note here about the Magi is they came and they laid down gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It was expensive. It was costly. And they laid down gifts that were fit for a king. They laid them down at Jesus and they worshipped him. And this is, a, this is another reason why sometimes we don't give our best. Is because living the spiritual life of a believer, there's a cost. There's a cost. And I'm not just talking about financially. I'm not talking about what comes out of our wallet. I'm talking about the cost that it takes, as Jesus said, you take up your cross and follow me. Who would not count the cost, Jesus said. There is a cost because if it's costly, it means something. But if it doesn't cost anything, it's free. It lost its value. But when it's costly, it means something to you. And when it's costly and it comes from me, that means that I actually value. Listen, when these guys laid down gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, it meant something because they brought their best that they had to offer. It was valuable to them, so it was valuable to Jesus. And I wonder how often in our spiritual lives we compromise because of the cost. We compromise our spiritual lives because of how much it will cost us. It's going to cost me a little bit more time. It's going to cost me a little bit of uh, using my talents and treasures for the Lord in a way that maybe I'm not used to. There's a little bit of a cost involved. But listen, costly means something. It's that little bit of a part of what Romans says, give yourselves as living sacrifices. Listen, we're not dead yet. We're living. We're alive. But yet we are surrendered to the Lord. We completely sacrifice our lives to God, meaning I lay down all of my things that I want about with my life and I say I want to value what is important to the Lord and what God wants. There's a cost involved. And these magi understood that what they were bringing was the best. It was costly. It was expensive. But yet they laid it down anyways. 
I want to encourage you in 2022, preaching to Charlie first, no matter the cost, serve the Lord. No matter the cost, no matter what it costs you, whatever it takes, put Jesus first. No matter the cost of what comes up in 2022, the situations, the circumstances, whatever it may be, give the Lord your absolute best no matter the cost. The third thing you're going to see here is talking about the Magi is that they came, the Bible says, when they came to Jesus, they knelt down and paid him, worship, uh, paid him homage. Some translations say they knelt down and worshipped him. Now listen, we've been talking about these guys. They are royalty. They are royal people. And here they are, they're not ashamed to bow down and worship a baby. Listen, how embarrassing this must have been for King Herod, because obviously you didn't see him bow down and worship Jesus. You didn't see him lay down his gift at Jesus, because what they were doing required humility. It required them to have their priorities in order in life. And obviously we see the contrast from these magi to Herod. Herod was not willing to do it. As a matter of fact, he said there can't be any other king in the land. Go kill all the babies in the land. But yet these magi were willing to kneel down and worship. They were willing to get down on their knees and worship a baby. There was humility involved. And one of the things that you and I can learn from this is sometimes the reasons why we don't give our best is because our priorities become out of line. When the Lord is not first in our lives, our priorities become out of whack. And when you begin to live life where God is not first and everything else is before him, you'll discover that what soon follows that is chaos. You'll find that you can't juggle this thing, that thing, everything, because our priorities are out of order. The Bible teaches us in Matthew 6.33, and this has been a life verse for me for years, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things, the Bible says, shall be added unto you. That means if I can learn to seek God first in my career, I don't have to worry about seeking that thing. It will be added unto me. If I will seek God first with my finances, I don't have to worry about all these things shall be added unto you. If I can learn to seek God first on behalf of my family, I don't have to worry about things being in order there. God will take care of that. If I will seek God first in every area of my life, in my spiritual life, I can trust all of these things shall be added unto you. I'm taking Jesus at his word. He is not a man that he should lie. Our priorities have to be in order. And these magi, they were not ashamed to bow down and worship Jesus. They were not too proud to get down on their knees and say, Hail King Jesus here. They were willing to worship a baby because their priorities were right. And listen, one of the best pieces of advice I can give you in 2022 is make sure our priorities are in a line in the right way. God first, always, forever, and it doesn't matter what comes and goes in 2022. If God is first, we can rest assured that we can trust him. If we can just put God first, just honor him above everything else, just put him first, we can trust it'll be all right. Uh, lastly, the thing you see here in these Magi's life is the Bible tells us here, we read that Herod called them and he wanted them, the Bible says secretly, he had talked to them. Secretly, he had brought them aside to have a conversation to try to set them up in a way that they should go and try to get some news back to Herod so he could do whatever he want to eventually, what he was trying to do, kill all the babies in the land. Listen, the circumstance became complicated. And it didn't matter who was involved. It didn't matter if even the king was involved. That didn't stop them from giving their best. 
And I've observed that sometimes we will allow people and we'll allow relationships to prevent us from giving our best to the Lord as if our relationship was dependent on them. But can I just remind you today is that they didn't die on a cross for you. And so they shouldn't be the determining factor in us giving our best. Listen, I love my daughter. She is the joy of my life right now, everything in the world to me. But before her is Jesus. I love my wife, and she knows this. I love her with all of my heart. But before we got married, we had a conversation. Jesus first. It doesn't matter the situations we find ourselves in in life. When circumstances become complicated, there is no relationship in my life, and it should not be in any other life, that should have a say into my spiritual life other than for the building up of my faith. There shouldn't be any relationship in my life that hinders me from the Lord. If there is, then something's wrong. If there's some person that is keeping me and it's complicating things and it's keeping me from going to worship Jesus. Listen, when Herod pulled these magi aside, that could have been everything for them to say, oh boy, we better pack up and get out of here. It's about to get ugly. But they went anyways and worshiped Jesus. And we have to get to the place in our life where we don't let people, we don't let situations become complicated, or rather complicate our spiritual lives. My spiritual life is with the Lord and the Lord alone. And if there is a relationship that is detracting from my spiritual life, then I have to examine, is this relationship best for my soul? Or is it hurting me or detracting from me? We have to discover who died on a cross for me, my friend or Jesus? Who, does, who is the one who led me to live a life of eternity? My friend or Jesus? And we have to discover it doesn't matter the situation. If it's keeping us from giving our best, we need to move on to a different situation where Jesus becomes the only one who is honored. Give our best. And so I want to leave you with this. Here is how you and I, in 2022, we give the Lord our best. This is a simple verse. It is as simple as it gets. And it's really the only verse that Jesus, he said, this is the one thing above every other thing. If you could just do this one thing. It's so simple, but it's so complicated for us sometimes. Here it is. Luke 10, 27. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Now you'll notice here that Luke goes through some links. And Jesus went through some links. To not just say, love the Lord with your heart. Because Jesus understood that there are some times in our lives where we can love the Lord with maybe a quarter of our heart or half of our heart. But he went through some links to say, with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus goes through, and this isn't alliteration, this is Jesus describing the areas that compromise or, or, or rather make up our lives. And the first thing he tells them is if you're going to give the Lord your best, you're going to love him with all of your heart. What is our heart? What is Jesus talking about here? Loving the Lord with your heart. The heart is the center and source of the whole inner life, the thinking and feeling. It's the center of emotion. And so what Jesus was telling them is you have to learn, love the Lord with all of your emotions, with everything that's in you. When you get angry, love the Lord with your anger. 
When you get upset, love the Lord with when you're upset. When you're happy, love the Lord with your happiness. Whatever emotion you're facing, learn to take that and direct it to the Lord instead. Learn to instead trust it to God. With everything that is happening in this inner person, love the Lord your God. Secondly, he says, with all of your soul. What is the soul? The soul is a complicated matter. People have been trying to uncover what exactly is the soul. But the best that we can tell from this is when God breathed the breath of life into man, he breathed a soul into them. And this is the spirit and will of man. This is the place where rationale and mortality or morality is based in the soul. This is the place of desire. Where we desire, are we going to live for the Lord? Are we going to live for something else? Are we going to live for good? Are we going to live for evil? This is the place where it comes down to, what is my spiritual life going to be like? Is it going to be pointed to Jesus or is it going to be pointed to the world? So what God was calling them to do was love the Lord with all of your soul, with all of your morality, with everything that is in you, your will to live, everything that you have, direct it to the Lord. Love God with that thing. Love the Lord in your good decisions. Honor God with those things. When you make decisions that are going to affect the course of your life and there is some type of decision, ethical thing, a matter involved, love the Lord with that thing. Whatever it is, love the Lord your God with all of your soul the third thing we see is love the Lord with all of your strength and this is as simple as it is it means your effort your ability your ability to function effectively your strength your power and your might as the Bible teaches us whatever we do do it with all of your might for the Lord whatever we put our hands to do love the Lord with that thing with all of your might what God was calling them to do is that whatever you find your hands to do, whatever you put your effort to do in 2022, whether it's at your job, whether it's at your church, whether it's at your, your family, whatever it might be, whatever you do, make sure that you're doing it with all of your strength for the Lord. Love God with all of your effort. Whatever effort you are going to exert, make sure it's loving the Lord with that effort. Whatever effort and power and might we're going to put our hands to do, make sure that it's loving the Lord with that strength. If I'm going to put my hands to serve the Lord this year, make sure I do it with all of my strength. Not holding any strength back from the Lord. Sometimes it might be, you might have a time of prayer and you might discover, Lord, I have been serving you with just some of my strength. But I know I've got more to give. I can give more effort and strength to you. So Lord, forgive me. I want to love you with all of my effort this year. The final thing Jesus said was love the Lord with all of your mind. What does that mean? This is the troublesome place for a lot of us because most of the battles that happen in life, they happen in our mind. And this is where our thoughts, the faculty of thinking, comprehending, reasoning, and understanding, intelligence happen. And this is the place where you and I, whenever we are making decisions, we're reasoning, we are thinking about things. Make sure that whatever we're thinking about, that it is pleasing and acceptable and honorable to the Lord. We make sure that our thoughts honor the Lord because we don't just serve a God who hears the words of our mouth. We serve a God who knows our very thoughts. And so God calls us to love him with our thoughts as well. Love him with whatever reasoning we might have this year, whatever comprehending we're doing, whatever we're feeding our mind. Make sure we're loving the Lord with what we're feeding our mind as well. Whatever we're listening to, it goes into that place of thinking, reasoning, and understanding. Make sure that we are loving the Lord with that thing as well. So love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, 
and with all of your mind. I'm ask the musicians to come. The Magi, they gave their best. And God is just asking for us to give us, give him our best. Whatever your best is. Listen, I want to tell you this as well. Is that your best is not somebody else's best. And so sometimes we do this little comparison game. Well, with so-and-so, they're doing this, this, and this, and this. And you think, I can't do all that. But listen, you're not so-and-so. You're you. I'm me. And so I have to give the Lord, when I stand before the Lord, I can say to God, God, I gave you my best. I didn't give you Phil Barker's best. Yeah, that's his thing. That's his priority. I know he's giving you his best. But my best, Charlie's best, when I stand before the Lord, I have to answer that question. I'm going to give you my best, Lord. Here is what my best is. And you know what? God is mighty and awesome in all of his ways, and he knows exactly what our best is. The Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir sang a song years ago, and it just it came back and hit me. And as a matter of fact, you might recognize an organist if you go back and watch the video when they sang this song. And they say, it goes like this. There's been many times that I've let you down, searching for happiness but none to be found. And to think that the price you paid for me wasn't in vain, all that agony. But I'm here to say that I've had my ups and my downs, but now I'm here to say because of the love that I found. Now I'm giving my best to you, Lord. All that I have, I won't withhold. I'm giving my best to you, Lord. All of my heart and all of my soul. And I love what the bridge says. You are the one who gave your life for me. You gave your best at Calvary. And you are the one that paid that sacrifice. So now I'm giving my best. I'm giving my life. I'll give my life. Will you stand with me this morning? Would you just close your eyes with me right where you're at today? I love that word and that song, and I think about that, and that has been a prayer this week. Nothing I will withhold, Lord. And today, it just maybe you have to ask yourself, Lord, am I withholding anything from you? Is there something I'm keeping from you that I could be giving you? Lord, I don't want to withhold a thing from you any longer. I want to give you my best. I may not can bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but I can bring you myself and give you my life. If Jesus went and died on a cross and endured the pain and suffering as a joy before him, then surely we owe him our best. If he gave his best, his only son, then surely you and I can give him our best. And this year, I want to give my best to you. I don't know about you, but I pray that we can pray this morning and ask God, Lord, help me to give my best. It's not by might and nor by power, but by your spirit, Lord. I need help, God. I can't do it in my own strength, in my own effort. I'm relying on grace. I'm relying on your help, Lord. I want to give you my best. Everything I have to give, Lord. I want to love you, Lord, this year with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind and all of my strength, Lord. I don't want to have some spiritual life that is just fast food only, that is just negligent to my soul. I want to take care of my soul and be pleasing and honorable to you. And if that's you this morning, can you just join me in prayer? Maybe you want to come stand at the front. That, that's fine. Feel free to come this morning. We'd love to pray with you today. But I just want to come, and I'm going to stand down here too. Because I want to tell the Lord, in 2022, Lord, I don't want to give you a quarter of my soul. I don't want to give you a half of my soul. I want to give my best. My best. And so, Lord, today, we come and we give ourselves to you, Lord. 
I'm going to give you my best, Lord, here this morning. Father, I'm sorry, Lord, if I've withheld anything from you. I'm sorry, Lord, if I've just let something keep me from giving my best to you. I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me, Father. Forgive me. Lord, maybe I, I know that it's not my best, Lord. But God, this, this year, Lord, I want to give my best. I don't want to withhold anything from you. I want to come, Lord, and I want to bring you the gold, frankincense, and myrrh of my life, Lord. The absolute best that I have to offer, Lord. So, Lord, we give ourselves to you this morning, Lord. Father, as a church, we give ourselves to you, Lord. And God, we say we want to give you our best. We want to give you our best, Lord. Father, whatever it might be, Lord, God, help us to search our souls, Lord, and to say, God, I want to surrender everything that I have to you, Lord. All of my heart, all of my soul, mind, and strength. I don't want to keep anything from you, Lord. I want to give it all to you. So, Lord, today I give you my absolute best today. Help me, Father. Give me grace. Today, if that's you, just join us in prayer today. I, I, we just need time to pray today. Say, Lord, I'm going to give you my best. I want to enter this new year giving my absolute best to you. So, Lord, we come this morning. We lay it down to you, Lord. We give our best to you, Jesus. We give our best to you, Lord. Search your soul for a moment. God, what are you dealing with me about? What are you calling me to surrender? What's my best that you're calling me? I don't want anything or anyone to keep me from giving my best. I want to come give you my best. I'm here for you, Lord. I'm here. We surrender it all to you, Lord, today. We give it all to you today. We give it to you, Jesus. As the choir sings, would you just give yourself to the Lord in your own way? Just search your heart, however it might be. We give our best. 